Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And in this one, we ask and answer these questions. Which Astros player is taken for granted the most? Which ex-Astro might be missed in the clubhouse this year? And what NBA Finals player will be walking around with a symbol every game in the finals of his departure from Houston? And as always, I'm joined by my co-host and regular sidekick, a fellow H-Town sports junkie and veteran journalist, Stephen Kerr. And Stephen, do you want to talk about the Dr. Jekyll Astros or the Mr. Hyde Astros? <laughs> as in, hide your eyes! <laughs> hey, yeah, I mean, since our last podcast, Robert, they've been a little bit of both. Um, I, I, you know, tried not to panic when they got swept by the, the Baltimore Orioles. Imagine that. Um, but I, honestly, the peaks and valleys of a baseball season are, are, are definitely, you know, well known. It's 162 games. And the fact that now, as as we're taping this, you know, they're heading into a couple of pretty big series against the A's and the Yankees, they've gotten those four losses back by winning four in a row. So, you know, I, I really try to keep it an even keel as much as I can. But honestly, it's so hard to do because when they were playing so well and their offense was going great, you know, you just kept it up, man, don't let this ever end. But of course it does. And then when they start losing, you go, oh, no, they're going to lose all the momentum that they had and then they get it back. So, no, I, I'm really trying to just kind of keep things in perspective here. I try not to whine, but, you know, it's kind of our job to whine a little bit. we got to figure out something to whine about with the Astros. I mean, they're three and a half games up on the A's. They've got the best run differential in all of baseball. But this is something that I was thinking about, Stephen. I'll run it by you because, you know, it's just do you feel like this Astros team has a harder time of getting out of the doldrums than the recent teams? And for that reason, do you think they missed George Springer's positive attitude? Because that was my biggest concern when Springer left, even more so than his offense and defense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's those intangibles. We know how great George Springer was at the plate, you know, and, and what he did on the field. But, oh, you know, we also heard probably as often is just his off-field demeanor and his presence in the clubhouse. And, you know, guys like him and Justin Verlander, I, I think Justin Verlander added an edge you know, and, and guys like Garrett Cole, you know, those guys are not with, I mean, Verlander technically is still with the Astros, but he's not pitching this year. So, uh, you know, guys like Springer and Cole, they're gone. You know, we're more than likely going to lose yet another similar presence when Carlos Correa leaves. So, you know, it, it really makes a difference, Robert, I think, especially when you get into the home stretch and then in the postseason. It's those those attitudes, like you said, that can make as much of a difference as what you do on the field. And in some cases, they, they could even hide some of those weaknesses that you may not be able to if you don't have those guys. Let's go with a bright, bright positive. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, how about him? Since returning from the injured list, seven games, 2.16 ERA, eight walks, 29 strikeouts, 155 batting average against. Yeah, you were certainly hoping that uh, Jake Odorizzi would figure it out. He may not be a great pitcher, but he certainly had proven in the past that he was better than what he had shown initially. And look, it, whether we like it or not, it takes these pitchers a while to get in the groove, especially if you miss spring training like he did. He came in late, so it takes him even longer to round into shape. And I think we're seeing the Jake Odorizzi that you know is, is making the money that he did when he signed that two-year deal with the Astros earlier this year. Earlier, I called it the hide-your-eyes Astros, and if there was one area that I really need to hide my eyes over the last, oh, I don't know, a few weeks. It's been 
Robel Garcia and Abraham Toro trying to play third base. Glad to hear Bregman's going to be back soon because it hurts <laughs> to watch these guys. Yeah, and that's especially, you know, because Abraham Toro, I think, may have a better chance of a future with the Astros than Robel Garcia. Uh, you know, Toro hasn't been too bad at the plate, but yeah, the defense is definitely lacking. You know, you, you miss your, your guys like Alex Bregman to come in there and while he does occasionally make some things look more difficult than they should, he, he's certainly you, – you're going to be more comfortable being, having him at third base than Abraham Toro and Roberto Garcia. All right. Now here's something that is a real concern because I think Bregman's going to be back. But Jose Arquiti had to exit games twice this year with shoulder issues. And I'm not a doctor, but if I'm James Click. I'd be extra careful with Arquiti and give him some extended rest. And when he comes back, I could see moving him to the bullpen, Steven, so as not to add a ton of innings to his arm. I'm a huge Arquiti fan, as you've heard me say. So it's hard for me to advocate him in the bullpen, but he's somebody that I think could come out of the bullpen mentally because he's got spectacular control. And we've seen the Astros bullpen this year. Control isn't their thing. So that that's a good part about, you know, bringing him out of the bullpen. Yeah, and I think we have to stop and look at the big picture, Robert. You know, this is such a long season. And if you've got two shoulder injuries in the space of several weeks, uh, it's not something you can gloss over. And honestly, you know, they have him on the 10-day uh, injured list. I think they really need to evaluate it long and hard once that 10 days is up and see, you know, A, do they need to bring it back at all right now? And, and hope that maybe he can get it back together toward the end of the season and get back in shape before the postseason comes. Or B, as you said, Robert, put him in the bullpen because clearly some one of these starters is going to have to go in the bullpen, especially if, you know, we, I guess we, we did solve the problem of the six-man rotation, unfortunately, with this situation. It, it does tend to work itself out when you have things like this happen. But I think with Urquidy, you just you've got to treat it with kid gloves at this point. You know, when a second injury pops up and with a pitcher, you just can't take any chances. So at the very least, yes, I think you've got to start limiting his innings. And really, the only way to do that is to, to do it out of the bullpen. I don't think you want to keep starting him, have him go three or four innings, and then have the bullpen try to soak it up. All right, let's uh, get to that question that I asked off the top of the show. If you're a diehard Astros fan, which player do you most take for granted and I don't know about everybody else I don't know about you Stephen but for me it's Ryan Presley he's the best Astros closer since peak Brad Lidge is there even a debate no certainly not this year and boy you, you talk about I mean you think about you take Ryan Presley out of the Astros bullpen how scary would that be Robert because we've, we've talked so much about how bad the bullpen is the rest of the way you know, Ryan Stanek has, has been kind of up and down. He's mostly been okay, but he's had some issues. And we, you know, the list can just go on and on and on. But Ryan Presley has been Mr. Consistent. You know, we, we could call him Elvis because he's a rock star as far as the Astros bullpen is concerned, certainly. Yeah, I wasn't a big Roberto fan. I'm not a big Ken. No, nobody's a big Ken Giles fan. And that, you know, if you look back at that 17 World Series run, how much less stressful would it have been if you subbed <laughs> Presley for Ken Giles? <laughs> well, you know what? Here's here's the thing. Here's the difference of what Ryan Presley does is he doesn't make, as the late Milo Hamilton used to say, he doesn't make coffee nervous. 
you know, Ryan Presley comes in, and, and I think he's had one shaky outing. He's, he's had only missed one save opportunity. But even when Roberto Osuna and, you know, the, the other guys that you've talked about have come in, man, they may get the job done, but your heart rate goes up 100% every time they go on the mound. Ryan Presley, it, it, you just, it inspires more confidence when he's in that role, and he just makes it look so much easier than those other guys did. In 33 games, his ERA is 154. His whip is 829, you know, 0.829. Uh, his OPS against is 459. 459 is his OPS against. And most importantly, Stephen, his Robert Confidence Index is 9.8 out of a possible 10. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'll go with that. Uh, what would you call it? Yeah, my Robert Confidence Index. Confident. Okay, so that's RCI. Okay, we'll we'll mark that down as a new term here. RCI. Y- y'all start keeping running tabs on it, Robert. I'm going to expect weekly updates of what the Robert Confidence Index is for not just Presley, but you know for other Astros. Your the RCI index, nine point eight. I'll take it. Okay, let's get to the All Stars. The Astros have four of them: Brantley, Altuve. Presley, the aforementioned, and Carlos Correa, who, as we talked about last week, he's your Astros MVP if you factor in defense, offense, and everything. I think every Astros fan would be on board with that. No Jordan in the All-Star game. No Yuli. No Luis Garcia. What did you think about the selections? It would be hard to have all seven of those guys. I mean, it is possible. I, I don't. It's not really a big surprise to me, Robert, and I know there, there are some Astros fans probably sitting there going, surely there should have been one, two in the starting lineup, you know, voted on, of course, by the fans. But look, I, I, honestly, I'm surprised that there were still, that most of those guys were still in the running, I think, until the last phase. You know, the Astros did have some guys that could have probably cracked the starting lineup. I was a little surprised about that. I, I kind of thought that maybe they would even be further down just because of the whole the whole prevailing attitude with the Astros across the country with the cheating scandal. So, you know what? I, I'm not going to complain that they've got four guys in here. You know, you, you've got three position guys, and then you've got Ryan Presley. Yeah, if Alex Bregman had been in there, he might have been picked over somebody. Then you would have had to put him in the mix. I am a bit surprised about Jordan, though. I, I thought for sure Jordan would be one of those that's picked. But, uh, yeah, hard to argue with the ones that are in there. It's interesting because, of course, we're not expecting the Astros to get voted on by anybody outside of Houston. But with Jordan and Yuli, Steven, I think it's surprising to people. But if you look at the numbers, the guys that were selected ahead of them had better numbers. I mean, Jordan, uh, he's had a really good season, but this isn't the season Jordan had, you know, his, his rookie year. I, his numbers just aren't, I, I, I feel like, Man, he's struggling, even though his OPS is around 900. It's just not the same Jordan that I expected. He hasn't had that hot streak that he's capable of where he just carries you. No, he's not. I mean, it's more of a regression to the mean, I think. And believe me, Jordan is having a good season by most standards. A lot of players would love to have the season he has. You know what I I think, Robert, is the the coaching staff went with the guys that they knew, the, the guys who were consistent, Altuve, Correa, certainly Michael Brantley. I mean, man, ever since he's come back from the injury, he, he's on a Ted Williams 400 pace. So, yeah, I, I think they went with the guys that they knew were, were consistently good over a number of years, and and the same with Ryan Presley, over someone like a Yuli Gurriel, who's had a very good season, certainly, 
and and Jordan has had a good season. But yeah, I, I think it was the consistency factor, really. All right. Is there anything that you want to talk about with the Astros that I've missed? It, it seems like it was a really weird week. I mean, we, we haven't even talked about the fact that Kyle Tucker, you know, has missed some games with injury. I'm a little worried about that because they said back, which is always scary to me. And then you had Brantley miss some games, but he's kind of a in and out guy anyway with the Astros with his uh, age and injury history. So I just, as long as it's not anything where they say, oh, this looks like it's something that's going to keep him out for a few weeks. I, I, I don't particularly worry about Brantley's injury. No, and, and I think, I mean, these are just the things that are going to happen over the course of a season. You know, a lot of teams deal with it. And at least, you know, with the Astros, when you consider the problems they have had with the bullpen, with the injuries that they've had, you know, the fact that they are three games up in the AL West right now, Robert, you know, who would have thought that a few weeks ago? Now, these next two series are going to be really big. You know, you've got the A's coming in. That's going to make a big difference. And then you have the the Yankees coming to Minute Maid Park. That that should really be a thrill. So I think really when you consider what the Astros have been up against really since the season started, I, honestly, it's amazing that they have been able to do what they're doing. You know, but the big question is, can they continue that over the, the course of the rest of the season? And the trade deadline is coming up, so there's some hope. You know, there's some guys that are trying to come back from the injured list. Although, as I think as I've said before, I try not to get too up about that sort of thing. It's going to take some of them, you know, a, a little bit of time to round into shape. But at least you've got guys coming back. So there is hope for optimism, even as this long season progresses. Some more optimism. How about Aledmus Diaz hit off the tee for the first time? Pedro Baez is throwing a live BP on, uh, I believe that was Sunday. He threw it on Sunday. So right. uh, you've got maybe those two guys are closing in on coming back. I, I, I doubt it's till maybe a week or two after the All-Star break. But, I mean, that that's at least something that you can look forward to. Yeah, I'm especially glad about Aledmus Diaz because, you know, if, if he could just stay healthy over the course of a season, what a, what a value he is. When he's in there, things happen. He He's, you know, talk about a guy that you know you can rely on as your backup player. Aledmus Diaz fits that role. You know, you would like to see someone maybe, I don't know, like Abraham Toro slide into that role. But as you said, his defense has really got to improve. But uh, Aledmus, both offensively and defensively, he's just, a, he's, he's steady. So to get him back, you know, especially with some of the other injuries that have been happening, boy, that would be big. Let me ask you this, because I threw this question out on Twitter, and I'm just curious what you would do here with Diaz's injuries. And he's, you said if you you can count on him, you can count him, like we said, if he's in the lineup and healthy, you know, or, if he, or healthy, I should say. But the problem is you, you haven't been able to count on him. Uh, he made – believe it was $3 million this year in arbitration. Do you let him walk at the end of the season? Because it's tough to have a main utility guy that's always hurt because you need the utility guy to be there for you to give other guys rest. And when he can't do it, that's a problem. And Abraham Toro, not, not super confident about his defense at third base, but he can play multiple positions. Uh, he can switch hit. You know, he's the closest maybe you've got to a cheaper version of a Ledmus Diaz, but somebody that you can at least rely on. Yeah, I think that's what you're going to see is the lesser case scenario. As as much as you would hate to lose a guy like Diaz, how how can you sign him, you know, to, to even a, another two-year contract, for example, just based on his durability? And and I think, you know, the, the Astros are proving 
that uh, they're going to go younger as time goes on. And somebody like an Abraham Toro or, you know, maybe they can pick someone else up off the cheap who might be more of a veteran. They can give you the, the same kinds of things and even the intangibles that uh, somebody like Aledmis Diaz does. So, yeah, I, I would tend to say you might not see Aledmis back next year uh, once that time comes up. And I don't think this is a easy cut and dry decision because, like I said, Stephen, he's arbitration eligible. So, you know, you could do one more year of him, but, you know, like I said, it's it's going to be at least $3 million that you're going to be paying him. And he's taken up a roster spot and he's not there for you. And I just, I'm scared to just keep rolling that ball down the court a little bit. Why not bring in somebody who you know is going to be a little bit more healthy than Diaz? I mean, Diaz, I mean, he was hit in the wrist by a baseball. You know, I I, I can't blame him for that, but it just seems like some guys have bad luck and some guys don't. <laughs> I know it, it does seem that way. There, there are just some guys, you know, you hate to say they're injury prone, but you know, look at the history. That's what it is. Now, I, I guess it wouldn't be terrible. You know, if you let him go through arbitration, you bring him back one more year, but after that, certainly not. But I, I just don't think the Astros are going to do that. I, I just see that they, they may want to go in another direction. Obviously it's going to depend a lot on what other moves they make between now, you know, with the trade deadline coming up, they, they desperately need pitching help. You may have to spend a little more money than you want because, you know, they're so near the tax cap that they may have to do something like an Aledmus Diaz walk, you know, to make that sort of thing happen. So really, a lot of it is also going to depend on what moves they make over the next few weeks and in the offseason. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about the podcast for a second before we get into the NBA playoffs anyways, and I'm going to get there, but I do want to do a quick Houston sports talk reset, just in case we have any new listeners over the last year or so. If you look at our episode number, it'll say we're at 536 episodes, but in actuality, we've recorded over 1000 episodes in the last eight years as a weekly and sometimes bi-weekly podcast. And for over a year, our show was on KBRZ-FM, a radio station in the Houston area. So we've had that opportunity as well. I've been in broadcast journalism now for 30 years, covered Houston sports for 20 years, mostly helping to produce high school sports shows. In the last eight years, I've worked on Inside High School Sports, which airs on Channel 11 and is hosted by Matt Musil. I've also covered the Texans, Astros, and Rockets for Fox Sports Southwest and spent a season as the Rockets producer when their games aired on Channel 20. So just a lot of time in the business doing various things. You might not know my face, but I've been doing this for a while. You want to give them a little background, Stephen, too? You know, compared to me, you're a Houston legend. I mean, I lived in Houston for most of my childhood, left at high school. But, you know, my I guess my, my biggest claim to fame is I'm just, I've always retained my being a Houston fan and uh, no, I didn't become a Titans fan when the Oilers moved. So I moved over to the Texans when they came in. But no, I'm, I'm a lifelong Houston fan, as you mentioned at the top of the broadcast. And I, I live in Austin. Uh, I've been a journalist, both a broadcaster and a writer for well over 30 years. I've, I've covered, you know, college sports and even some pro sports. I've, uh, you know, mostly here in Austin, of course, because I've lived in Austin, you know, almost 40 years. But I, I just, you know, I can't let go of the Houston teams. So, uh, and, and I was just thinking, Robert, you know, it was two years ago this month that I started doing the podcast with you. Of course, you and uh, RG Seal did it originally for the last several years. And I came in a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I'm coming up on the two-year anniversary with you. And 
man, it's been a blast because, you know, we've seen some good things and, and we've seen some great things and we'd see some really bad things happen. But, you know, it's just the up and downs of sports. And it's just one of the reasons why I love talking to you every week, because there's always something happening there's always something for us to talk about. Yeah, and there's no money in the podcast game, so it's a labor of love for both of us. And I think the thing that made me start this podcast as much as anything was, you know, I'd listen to Houston radio, and it was it was a lot of talk outside of the nuts and bolts and the basics of what's going on in Houston sports. They would get sidetracked by, you know, some the weird stories nationally, or, you know, it, it kind of was a frat party sometimes on Houston sports, and I just feel like, you know, I grew up with the sports radio where you could just listen to it with your family. It was family friendly, you know, as long as the players weren't doing anything too shaky. And, you know, we've had that, of course, with Deshaun and some other situations in Houston sports recently. But it's one of those deals where I I just was like, hey, I, I want that show that the kid that, you know, like I am when I was that age or like I was, could enjoy. And and, it, and just something that you could go to, and it's a Houston sports show, and they're going to be talking about Houston. It's That's why we called it Houston Sports Talk. Very simple. <laughs> yeah, very simple, and it lives up to the name. And, you know, and I think the other thing to point out too, Robert, is yes, we are fans. I mean, we, we've, we're we not shy about admitting it on the podcast. We are fans of Houston sports and the teams that we talk about. But here's the other thing to keep in mind. We're also not homers. I mean, how many times have we criticized the Astros, you know, the, the Texans, the Rockets, you know, whomever, if if they're doing great, we're going to say they're doing great, but we're also going to look for some things that, yeah, maybe they could be better at. And if they're doing terrible, we're going to tell you, you know, there, there are some times, and I've had to experience this, you know, in radio broadcasting, working on stations where you're the flagship of the team you're covering. You know, you, you have to be so careful. You You can't say a lot of things that you may want to say. You may be thinking it in your head, but you can't do that. Well, we don't have that problem here. Certainly, you know, not as a podcast. We're we're totally independent. So we can tell it like it is the, the way we see it. Yeah, it's unplugged. Unplugged. That's a great word. Yeah. Yeah, that's the real benefit of, you know, being an independent, you know, not having to deal with, oh, well, we've got the Texans contract and we got to make sure that we're nice to the Texans. Not saying that, you know, they can't say what they want to, but, you know, you have to have that in the back of your mind if you're listening to that radio station or if you're listening to the station that has the Rockets and the Astros, you might wonder what they can say or what they can't say. Um, and, and I've been in the business for a while, and occasionally I'll message one of my colleagues here and say, well, what do you know about this? Because sometimes there's stuff that they know that they can't say. So uh, sure. I, I'm, I'm not afraid to give you something that maybe is uh, going to be more controversial somewhere else if, if they threw it out there or, or something like that. But uh, the, at the very least, I'm going to give you, hey, I'm a fan. I grew up with these teams. I love these teams. But also, you're a fan too. And you you guys, you're going to criticize your team. You're going to get upset. You're going to be ticked off at a Dusty Baker decision or you know the Bill O'Brien era or whatever. Well, and the other thing too, Robert, is we know that some of our own listeners aren't going to agree with what we have to say. And you know what? That's okay too. I mean, if everybody agreed with everybody, what what would be the point of having the podcast? So, you know, we, we don't mind hearing from you, you know, whether you agree, you know, you enjoy what you hear, you agree with us, or you don't. I mean, there's a right way and a wrong way to put it, I guess. But, hey, it, it's freedom of expression. So let us know if there's something you don't like or you don't agree with us about, and that's okay. Absolutely. Would love to hear from you. I'll mention at the end of the show how you can get in touch with us. 
But let's move on to some more sports and the NBA Finals going on this week. It's finally starting. And just out of curiosity, Stephen, who do you got in the NBA Finals? Do you got P.J. Tucker or Chris Paul? I mean, the sons of the Bucks. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, for us, Robert, or at least for me, I can't speak for you, but I think for most people, it is P.J. Tucker versus Chris Paul. Who do you want to win more? Uh, you know, P.J. Tucker's been knocking down former Rockets left and right throughout this whole playoffs. And, <laughs> you know, now here he is facing Chris Paul. I mean, it's almost like, uh, you know, I don't know, match play in golf or, you know, two boxers in a ring. Who's going to gonna duke it out? Two veterans here going toe-to-toe. I'll tell you what. Um, I mean, I've been cheering for the Suns ever since, the you know, they started making this run. Uh, so I, I'm going to have to stay with it. I, I just – I've got to say – I, I got to go with Chris Paul, but you know what's in, this is such an intriguing matchup, Robert, for so many reasons. I was thinking the other day, you know, if you're not watching the NBA playoffs because the Rockets aren't in it, it's really about the next best thing because you're getting to watch some former Rockets, you know, not only duke it out with each other, but just to see, you know, one of them is going to get to the finals and one of them is going to win the finals. So, you know, either way, you're going to have a former Rocket who's going to have a ring. Now that that may you know make you sad, piss you off, I don't know, <laughs> but at least right now that's really the most intriguing storyline of these NBA playoffs. Robert is which one is it going to be? And you've got both of these guys. You know, Chris Paul for one is is a guy that you just I, I can't help but pull for, just because when you think he's down and out, he just keeps coming back. I mean, he had the injury, he even missed some of the Western Conference Finals uh, with COVID, and he comes back. You know, and the Suns still win. And then you've got the Bucks, who, uh, you know, Antetokounmpo may be doubtful for game one, but, you know, he was out part of the Eastern Conference Finals and they still beat the Hawks. So, man, it's going to be, it, I, I'm hoping it's going to be as intriguing as it seems on paper. Chris Paul said he has can't give up now written on his shoes. Can't give up now written on his shoes every game because that's the song he listened to the day he got traded from the Rockets to the Thunder, or as it's known in Houston, the day James Harden gave up on him. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Whatever motivates you, that's sometimes that's what you need is something like that just to keep you motivated. You know, because I'm sure a lot of people gave up on Chris Paul. That, you know, maybe he's just, he's over the hill. He's, he gets injured too much. He can only carry you so far. Well, he's obviously proving that is not the case. So uh, I guess what is that Seagun? That, that's a good, he's got Seagun on his shoes, <laughs> but that's a great expression. And yeah, whatever it takes to get you going, those intangibles, it's obviously working for him right now. Stephen, I, I love the Suns in this series because I love their consistency in the postseason. Even if Giannis is back, I don't trust the Bucks more than the Suns to bring it on a nightly basis. Uh, Robert, now, now just come out and say it. And you say, if you're not afraid to be controversial, why don't you just come out and say you, you don't have confidence in Coach Bud? Because that's really what you mean, isn't it? <laughs> the, the coaching here is what we've talked about before. Yeah, well, it's him. It's these guys, too. They they got to have a little bit of responsibility themselves. And look, Chris Middleton, when he's good, he's, he's like the girl with the curl, as he used to say back in the day, the girl with the curl, when she's good, she's very good. But when she's bad, she's awful. And that's mm -hmm. been Chris Middleton in the playoffs. And you can almost look at the box score. Is, is Did Chris Middleton have a good game? Okay, the Bucks won. Did he have a bad game? Nope. Then the Bucks lost. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it is going to ride on him. And yes, it, of course, it's going to ride on Giannis, whether he's in there or not. 
But with the Suns, I, I mean, you just there's such an intriguing team. You know, you talk about Mr. Consistency. Well, Devin Booker has been that throughout this whole playoffs, really. And DeAndre Ayton has just been a beast in the middle. Now, I know that this is probably going to be a regression to the mean for him, you know, but 70.6% shooting from the field. I mean, you know, that's going to come down a bit. But, man, his shooting has been great. His interior defense has been great. It, honestly, it's it's just hard to pick against the Suns. But uh, I think the Bucks are going to make it more of a series. But uh, just, I don't know. It's going to be such an intriguing one to watch anyway. Yeah, it was really fun when the Suns won to get into the finals to see uh, Chris Paul. Going back to Chris Paul, he, he he went to the stands and hugged Billy Crystal because he'd been with the Clippers for all those years and they had that great relationship. Chris Paul, you, you talked about it earlier. It's so interesting because... He's somebody that you might not like because he screws around with the rules at times. You know, he can be an actor. He can be an irritant. He can do things that people find annoying. But at the same time, how can you not respect him? I mean, he's just been a consummate, great player that has brought his team up. He's made them better than the sum of their parts on a yearly basis. You know, 16 seasons he's been around, 10 All-Stars five NBA teams, a hall of fame career, you know, he, everywhere he's been, I feel like he's made them a better team and you know, you, you can love them, you can hate them. But if you ask any NBA player, Chris Paul on the court, they respect the hell out of him. Well, absolutely. And look, here, here's my assessment of Chris Paul. If you're a fan, if he's playing against your team, you hate him just for all the reasons you just said, Robert. But when he is on your team, he's a guy that, you would sit there and go, man, I wish he was playing for us. Because if he's playing for you, you're going to love, you know, the the tinkering with the rules and, you know, just the, the kind of intensity that he brings. I remember I, I played amateur baseball with a guy once, Robert, that he was the biggest loudmouth, trash-talking guy, and he used to he used to play against us. Couldn't stand the guy. I thought he was a jerk. He comes on our team, man, lovable little teddy, big old teddy bear is really who he was. You know, when he was on your side and he's doing the trash-talking, you know, he's playing with that intensity. You're going to love it. So that, to me, that's who Chris Paul is as far as a fan is concerned. And there's a big difference between Chris Paul and Patrick Beverly, who just looked like a punk and a sore loser and a cheap shot artist in that series against the Suns. I just, I, I've got a hard time with these Rockets fans on Twitter, oh, I still love Patrick Beverly. Why? Why? Why do you still love? He, he's he's long gone, and you know we thought he was just you know annoying when he was here, but I, I think he's gone beyond that when he went over uh, to the Clippers. It's, it's not the same. Oh, lovable, feel good story. Patrick Beverly made it to the NBA, but you know he's misunderstood guy that he was <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, I think that it does seem that ever since he left the Rockets, yeah, he had some incidents then, but it, it seems like they've intensified now. And by the way, uh, between Patrick Beverly and Chris Paul, uh, this might be a difficult question for you to answer, Robert. Uh, who do you think is going to make the Hall of Fame out of those two guys? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Think about yeah, that. You might have to think about that one. Not. Yeah. And another big part of this finals I want to talk about, Stephen, is, you know, it's been 50 years since Milwaukee won their only championship and 53 years since the Suns started as a franchise. They've never won a championship. One franchise is going to walk away with rings. And Stephen, 
a bunch of NBA teams now feel like they have real hope. Yes, absolutely. And and that's really what it is. That's another reason I think it makes the series so intriguing is you, you got a team, it's been 50 years, you, you know, you, you want to cheer for them, but then you've got a team, you know, they, they got there but didn't win it. So there's that aspect. So I, I think really you can't lose either way if you're just being neutral like you and I are, Robert, and, and watching the series. Those are just two more reasons that you can put those teams in there and decide, well, whichever one wins, it's, it's going to be great for them. But I, I think you're right. And I, I know, you know, I guess a lot of fans, they, they want to see the Celtics and the Lakers or, you know, the the Golden State Warriors and Cleveland Cavaliers of old, you know, when LeBron James was there, those, those types of matchups. But honestly, I, I just, I get tired of that year after year after year. I like seeing matchups like this. I like seeing teams that come out of nowhere and not only one, but two in the finals. Yeah, the networks are cringing and the ratings may be a bit lower. I don't know. It just depends on how the series goes. But I can't, I, I just can't wait for this matchup to start. Yeah, and it might be a little bit much to say that the Milwaukee Bucks came out of nowhere. I mean, they've been knocking on the door. They've had a two-time MVP over the last few years on their team. And you, you would think that, hey, it's not a big deal that they got to the finals, but they're in Milwaukee and Phoenix it's a big city, but it's not a major market. This isn't Chicago or New York or L.A. And the big thing, Stephen, is these aren't super teams. You know, we're not looking at two super teams in the finals. These are teams that built themselves in the way you're supposed to build themselves. Draft and trades. I mean, there's not a whole lot of, hey, this guy wanted out, so we got him for a song like James Harden, for instance. Yeah, and I think that's what I meant when I was talking about the Bucks coming out. Yeah, they, they're kind of expected to be here to a point, but it, they don't have the same history, I think is what I was referring to. When you're talking about the, the Celtics and the Lakers and, you know, even over the last few years, the Golden State Warriors, really the Milwaukee Bucks, I, I think, were probably more of, I don't know if you could say they were a super team because it, it certainly wasn't a long-running thing in the early 70s than they were, you know, say the Celtics and the Lakers, but Certainly, I, I think that just the, the teams are so different and yet so similar in some ways, uh, you know, when it comes to their history, that it's just great to see that they're both in the finals. And I just hope it, it lives up to the hype or whatever hype there is with this. All right. So moving on from the NBA finals, but I want to stick with the NBA for a second because they had a legend hang it up this week. And there wasn't a big farewell tour for this legend. There was no nightly exchange of jerseys. There wasn't really a tearful goodbye. Marv Albert, yes, was the voice yes! of several generations, Stephen. And it's either him or Dick Stockton who you'd call the NBA voice of our lifetime, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we just, we keep losing these guys either, you know, to death or retirement. And it, it just, these voices are the voices, you know, that people like you and I grew up with, Robert, a lot of today's generation, I mean, they certainly know who Marv Albert is because he's still here. But, I, yeah, just the old school voices are the ones, you know, they, they not only call the action in a certain way, but their their voices are so distinct. You will never forget the voice of Marv Albert, Dick Stockton. You know, and, and in the Houston area, of course, we, we saw the recent retirement of Bill Worrell. You won't forget voices like that. So, yep, yet another one. Uh, is stepping down, that being Marv Albert. He is 80 years old, but I, I don't think you'd ever 
imagine it by listening to him. It was similar to Vin Scully where you're just amazed that he never lost a step. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. And I watched guys way past their prime, guys like Harry Carey, you know, the, the old baseball announcer who died many years ago. I watched Harry Carey struggle mightily the last few years. I mean, it got so painful I couldn't watch him. It, it just was so bad. When when he was with the Cubs and they were on WGN, but they refused to pull him off the broadcast. They, they were so loyal to him. But guys like Marv Albert, you know, Bill Worrell and people like that, yeah, you wouldn't know. I, I mean, they just – they're ageless or they seem that way. Vince Gully, same thing. It just it's, – it's amazing that they could keep it up at that kind of pace at age 80 when you're talking about Marv Albert. You know, he, he may sound like he's still 50, 60 years old or something. It, it's just amazing. So that's another reason I think that you, you just – you can't replace a voice like that. With Marv, it, it just wasn't the NBA. He called eight Super Bowls, seven Stanley Cups, Wimbledon, college basketball, horse racing, boxing. And for many of us, his 53 appearances on David Letterman, either the late night show <laughs> or the late show, that really amped him up and turned him into a national personality. It wasn't like, it's like he was, oh, this is an NBA guy and that's it. There's so much more to him. And, you know, he's a national guy. He's a guy that I think... Even if you weren't a huge sports fan, you know who Marv Allard is. Yeah, and I think your, your true greatness shows your versatility. I mean, I think you could, in, in some ways, you could put Jim Nance in that category. We may be saying that about him when his time comes up. But yeah, Marv, most especially, if you can cover that many events, you know, and I guess you can think of Bob Costas kind of in that same way. Is they're not known for just one sport. They can do several, and they can do several well. I mean, it's one thing... You could do 50 different things, but if you only do one or two of them well, it isesn't saying a lot. Really, everything that Marv Albert touched, it, it seemed like it turned to gold. We also lost a local legend who passed away uh, right before you and I went on. Tell us uh, who that was, Stephen. All right. This is a, and this, is, it may be surprising for those of you who don't know the name for a number of reasons. And number one, the name Dickie Magel may or may not be familiar to you. Uh, number two, it may be surprising that he played for the Rice Owls when the Rice Owls were a great team, Robert. I mean, a great team. Uh, Dickie Magel, he played for the Rice Owls back in the 1950s, and uh, he passed away the other day at age 86. Uh, he'd been in declining health for several months. He suffered a fall, never really recovered. But what Dickie Magel is most known for, and even if you know, even if you're not old enough to know who he was, you probably, you could certainly, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube, even as old as it is. He's most known for one of the strangest plays in college football history during the 1954 Cotton Bowl. That's right, Robert. The Rice Owls played against the Alabama Crimson Tide in the Cotton Bowl, and the Owls actually whipped them. Can you believe that? 28 to 6. But the biggest thing of that whole game, and even for years to come, is Dickie Magel was running down the field. He's a running back. He was running for a touchdown. A Crimson Tide player came off the bench. He wasn't on the field. He comes on the bench. He tackles Magel while he's on his way to this touchdown run, which would have been 95 yards. Tackles him in the middle, knocks him, and knocks the wind out of him. Well, officials awarded Nagel the touchdown. As I said, the Owls went on to win 28 to 6. People still talk about that play even today. So that is what Nicky Makel is most known for. But he, he's known for other things, too. He actually, he, he was a basketball player. He even felt that he was uh, a better basketball player than a football player. But 
that's neither here nor there. He set a Cotton Bowl record that stood for over 40 years. In that game, he rushed for 265 yards and three touchdowns. Um, so it wasn't just that one play that he was known for. He was a college All-American. He did play in the NFL with the 49ers, Steelers, and <gasps> he actually played for the Cowboys. And then he got into the hotel and nightclub business. So a you know, well-rounded guy was was Dickie Magel. Yeah, first-round pick. Uh, it was the 10th pick in the draft back in 1955. But you mentioned the play that the, – the infamous play with him and – Tommy Lewis is the guy that tackled him yep. from Alabama. And Tommy Lewis and Dickie Magel later appeared on the Ed Sullivan show to talk about the incident. And, uh, yeah, you talked about uh, his career, college football Hall of Famer, Texas Sports Hall of Famer. If you're from that era, you know, Dickie Magel was a massive deal. And, and like you said, it's it's hard to believe, but Rice was a national power back then, right? Yeah, Rice actually was a national power for a number of years, you know, Jess Neely was the coach of that team. A lot of people may not remember him, but boy, in, in the annals of Rice Owl's history, uh, he was as big as anybody in college football. So, yeah, the fact that Rice was, you know, I, I believe there were seven and three that year that they went uh, to the 54 Cotton Bowl. You know, of course, in the old Southwest Conference, uh, usually the winner would go to the Cotton Bowl. And, yeah, can you imagine the Owls, you know, A, playing the Crimson Tide in a bowl game today and and B, beating them like a drum the way they did <laughs> back in the 50s. But getting back to Nagel, you know, he not only had a successful football career, but after he retired, he was in the hotel business in uh, the Houston area and the nightclub business. Uh, yeah, I believe he was owning the, uh, the uh, Tidelands, I believe it was called. I'm not familiar with it. But Bob Newhart, who was a famous comedian back in that day, recorded one of his first albums, at one of Magel's clubs. That was back in the early 1960s. And you mentioned he, he appeared on the Ed Sullivan Show with Tommy Lewis, the guy that tackled him off the bench. And there's actually a story about that. You know, when, when they went to the Ed Sullivan Show, they put him up in a nice hotel. Well, initially, they had Dickie Nagel and, and Tommy Lewis rooming together. And Dickie Nagel went to Ed Sullivan. He said, listen, you know, you, you guys do realize that he just tackled me recently and knocked the wind out of me. He said you want to put me in a room with him? I mean, what if he has a nightmare in the middle of the night, wakes up and tries to throw me out the window? Can you can you please give me a different room? And Ed Sullivan said, yeah, we understand, son. You, you have a point. So they gave him a different room on a different floor. So that, <laughs> that's quite a <laughs> yeah. story. I, I had not heard that before until recently. But yeah, Dickie Magel, wow, what a, what a great name that a lot of people may not remember, but such an impact he had. On, especially on college football back then. And I'm reading that he was a color announcer for the Houston Oilers. Do you remember that? You know, I do not. Uh, that must have been before I started following him because I know, I know he wasn't. We, I started following the Oilers in the early 70s. So it may have been an either at the very beginning or, or toward, you know, sometime in the 60s. But I do not remember that. Yeah, Dickie Magel, long life. He lived till 86, uh, born September 14th, 1934. So real legend, but uh, just a fantastic life that he lived and, you know, fascinating as well. Before I say goodbye for today's show, I just want to remind all you new listeners to go into our 2020 archives and check out our Throwback Thursday podcast. If you go back to last year, you'll hear some of our favorite interviews with former Rockets, Astros, Texans, and Cougars players and some Houston media legends. I haven't done the throwback Thursdays this year since we've had a lot more actual games to talk about post-pandemic <laughs> but those throwbacks are really fun for anybody who's a longtime fan just look for the throwback Thursday 
in the title. I put it in all the titles and parentheses, so it'll be easy for you guys to find. Any last words, Stephen, before we take off for this one? Well, just looking forward to uh, the Astros' next two series. Uh, you know, we keep saying big series, but, you know, as the season goes on, they get bigger and bigger. Uh, with the A's, you've got one, two, and the AL West coming in. So uh, pretty exciting. Got baseball to look forward to. And uh, the NBA Finals, definitely going to be worth watching, we hope. And if you're a new listener, you know, if this is uh, something that you just started listening to us recently, the last uh, few months, even the last year, let us know about it. You can always reach us to ask us questions. You have comments or whatever. We're on Twitter, Facebook, or you can email info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. Just look in the show description. It's always right there for you. Until next week, stay healthy and safe, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.